Praise God. Amen. He is our king, isn't he? Amen. Amen. You think you got something to be sad about? Let me just tell you my story. You think you got something to be sad about? Let me just let me just unload on you for a few minutes. I drove my Mini Cooper to church this morning for the last time. Yeah. So you think you got problems? Prayed all the way. Traded it in yesterday, but they didn't have the car she wanted, so I have to drive that for another two days. And so I prayed all the way. I said, God, don't let this thing crash. <laughs> this doesn't crash. But I'm going to miss that little car. Amen. But isn't it nice to come to the house of God? I casted that burden off as soon as I came in the door. Praise God. No big deal. It's just a car. It's not a big deal. Amen. But boy, my God is a big deal, isn't he? Amen. I'm telling you something. The healing power of Almighty God is in this place. And it's here because of you, praise God. No other reason. God does this stuff because he loves us. He doesn't do it because we deserve it in Jesus' name. Let me uh, share something with you I found this week that I think might, might help somebody. It's entitled, The Defense Never Rests. How many here, well, it's probably most of you haven't, but how many here ever heard of F. Lee Bailey? You ever heard of him? Yeah, yeah. He at one time was one of the, uh, probably one of the most uh, famous trial lawyers this country had. F. Lee Bailey. If you had a lot of money and you were in a lot of trouble, this was the guy you hired. And he was quite a guy. I, 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 as a young man, I remember, as a young kid, I remember him. But I'm going to tell you something. We've got somebody greater than F. Lee Bailey in this place. Right. Amen. The scripture says, think about this. In Hebrews 7 and 25, this is referring to Jesus. It says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. Come on. It says, since he always lives, now this is Jesus, he gets up every morning and he always lives to make intercession for them. See, Jesus doesn't get distracted off of what he's supposed to do. So this morning you had an intercessor, praise God. I know our church goes into intercessory prayer a lot, but we've already got one. Amen. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It just means that you've already got one in heaven. His name is Jesus. Now, F. Lee Bailey was one of the most sensational trial lawyers of the late 20th century and practiced the creed, this guy did, that every person, now this is what he said, he said that every person is innocent until proven guilty. Now, unfortunately, in our world today, that's, that's gone. That no matter what you, people say about you, no matter what Facebook says, and we know that Facebook is true, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're guilty. That's the way it is. But this guy, he, he, he never believed that. He just believed that you were innocent until you were proven guilty. And he claimed that he did all that was humanly possible to defend a client. That was what his, you know, what his duty was, F. Lee Bailey. And Bailey entitled his autobiography, The Defense Never Rests. Kind of a cool term, isn't it? The title describes the Holy Ghost perfectly. The word translated as comforter or helper in John's gospel comes from the Greek word paraclete. And what it means is it means to be an advocate or a defense lawyer. I don't know if you knew that or not, but 
man, when you, when, when you come and you, you allow God to become your king, you got a defense lawyer. And you don't have to give him $10,000, 20000 $40,000 as a retainer. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 that he, therefore, is able to save to the uttermost. And it also says, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Amen. That's what God's doing. He was up earlier than the, than the earliest person. We got up early this morning, um, or I did, um, and um, my wife, when she got up, she right away turned on the cameras down here, and lo and behold, thank God, there were people at the church around 6 o'clock this morning. That's why these sidewalks are cleaned. Aren't you glad? I thank God for that. I don't take that stuff for granted anymore, folks. I'm glad that there are people who get up early and will come before I am and do those things, praise God. But I'm telling you something. You had someone who was up a lot earlier than that this morning interceding for you. Amen. I'm hoping that somebody can realize this. Praise God. You don't have it that bad. In fact, you got it pretty good. Amen. You might not have a, a Mini Cooper that you're driving for the last time, or maybe you had something that failed you this week, but I'm going to tell you something. You've got a defense lawyer. Come on, you've got somebody that the defense will never, ever rest. Praise God. The Bible says he lives to make intercession for you and I, and that's what we feel. Now, defendants in a capital crime must withstand a formidable prosecution by a district attorney. That's how our law works, okay? The most chilling moment in the proceedings arrives when the defense lawyer utters these words. The defense rests his case. The harrowing question now bombards the accused. Has everything been said? You ever wonder that? Yeah. Has every loophole been closed? Has all the evidence been countered and all the hostile witnesses been refuted? 10, 20 years, life imprisonment or death hang in the balance. Well, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you and I are on trial in this life. From the very moment that God's word influenced your heart and Christ's love drew you to him, you have been undergoing a great spiritual ordeal. Your difficulty in loving God is not just an insignificant, trivial, personal battle. It isn't. It's there. We know, and God knows that. And out of revenge, Satan introduces sin into the world, seeking to erase God from the minds of men. That's what he wants to do. Failing in this, he tried to destroy the personification of righteousness. And you know who that is? Come on, say it. Yes. Jesus is that personification. Amen. And having failed once again, he is now attempting to nullify the work of Christ in this world. Now, the Bible plainly teaches us in Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what you and I battle against, okay? And so you and I must realize that we need someone pretty strong to help us in that. And you have someone who got up earlier than you did this morning that's always praying for that, for, for, for that to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm hoping that while I'm reading this, that somebody's eyes will get open 
that you'll realize, praise God. No, no, not that you can't and won't be able to do things, but praise God, the greatest of it has already been done through Jesus Christ. And what we need to do is learn to come to him and accept the fact that he's our advocate. He's our defense lawyer. And his defense never rests. Come on, now you think about that. God is 24-7. He doesn't get burned out. He doesn't have bad days and good days. He doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. He's Almighty God, so He's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, praise God. You want to rethink your prayer request right now? Come on, why don't somebody lift their hand in faith right now and just, just understand that the defense never rests, praise God. God is your advocate, praise God. He's your defense lawyer. He's the one, praise God, that is making intercession for you and I in Jesus' name. Now let's get, let's, 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 let's put it in perspective, okay? Let's put it in perspective. Yeah, we're on trial, and you know something? We're guilty. Come on, we're not trying to hide our guilt. That's just the way it is. Mankind, you and I, everybody, was born into sin. The scriptures plainly says that all the world may become guilty before God. That's part of the process, folks. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why you and I don't need to hide it, praise God. But I'm going to tell you something, our defense never rests. Now, sin is our natural heritage, and death is our fixed death destiny. That was proclaimed in the garden, folks. God plainly told Adam and Eve, he said that if you eat of this fruit, that obedience is going to bring death. And so you and I have already been sentenced as far as that's concerned. The human heart is deceitful. All have transgressed the commandments of God. And you and I are on trial, and Satan is the prosecuting attorney. Come on, remember last week we talked about his weapons? The first weapon was sin. Amen. That's what he tries to get us to do, is to give in to sin. Do you remember what the second one was? He's an accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. Praise God. And so you and I must understand that that's a prosecuting attorney. That's his job. He's going to go into that court, and just like the defense attorney is going to do everything he can or she can, but that guy is going to try to convict you. And that's what the devil does. But I want to let somebody know here this morning, the defense never rests. Come on, we got somebody better than F. Lee Bailey. We got somebody better than the greatest trial lawyer in this world right now. We've got an advocate, praise God. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, because he lived the perfect life, because he did not sin, because he did everything the, the exact right way, now he's in heaven, and he's interceding, not just for an hour a day, not just for a couple of days a week, but he's doing that continually for you and for I in the name of Jesus. Come on, the defense never rest oh hallelujah I'm telling you right now you can have confidence praise God in what God is doing amen and that's one of the greatest things that God allows us to have is confidence now Satan let's refer to him for a minute here he is called Satan 56 times meaning what that means is literally the opponent or the adversary that's who he is so let's not make any secret about that he'll never ever, ever become your friend. He'll never, ever tell you the truth. 
That's Satan. That's how he works. Praise God. And so you and I, we must understand that. He's also called the devil 35 times, meaning slanderer, accuser. He is the source of evil, a liar, the tempter, and the great deceiver. Can you say amen? amen. But let's, let's, let's remind ourselves, we have a defense attorney who never rests his case. God, don't give up on you. If there's any giving up that has to take place, that is you that gives up on God. And the good news is, is this morning, you can restore that relationship. You can get back to a place where you lift your hands in complete confidence and you say, you are my king. You are my king. Come on, folks. I wasn't trying to get a rise out of you. I'm trying to get somebody's eyes opened here today. We got a defense attorney whose defense never rests. We got someone who's on our side. We got someone who's defending us. No, he's not making excuses for our sin, but he's defending us. Praise God. He died for us. Praise God. And that's what you and I can claim today in the name of Jesus. And so that's what the scripture says. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. He goes into the depths that you and I would never even get close to. And that's what he is doing because he is always making intercession for us. Now, I don't have, I don't have my mind completely wrapped around that yet. But I know that that is a fact. Praise God. Amen. And so you can rest assured this morning that your defense, if it's Jesus, if you're trying to defend yourself, good luck. Let me leave the room because that's an accident waiting to happen. But if you're going to hook yourself up with the defense attorney, praise God, I'm going to tell you something right now. Your defense is flawless. And your defense attorney, the paraclete, comforter, never rest. He brings these things to your remembrance. Now let me just jog your memory here a little bit. When Satan says, you're my possession, the Almighty God says, uh-uh, I redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. Now come on, folks, there is a counter that you and I must employ every day because Satan, folks, you know, at one time, I thought we could send him straight to hell and he'd never come back. That's not my job. That's not my job. During the millennial period, when he gets put in that bottomless pit, that ain't even the church that does that. That's a strong angel that comes down, throws him in that, in that bottomless pit. Listen to me, folks. That's not our job. And so God allows him to stay in this world. Amen. And so he's going to keep accusing. He's going to keep lying. He's going to keep telling you you're no good and that you're his. But what we need to do is we need to come to our defense attorney and we need to start listening to him in Jesus' name. Now, Satan, he'll say, you're troubled. You got problems. But the defense attorney will come into your life and say, no, my peace I give unto you. 
Come on, somebody here want to feel peace, like the real peace? I'm not talking about some situation that comes and goes. I'm talking about peace that comes and stays. Come on, why don't you lift your hands right now? And why don't you say, God, I need peace in my life. Come on, everybody does. That's our defense attorney that does that. Come on, that's him that brings us into our lives. You and I, we don't have enough money to pay for this thing in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Satan will tell you you're not good enough for heaven, but the Holy Ghost will tell you you're justified, just as if it never happened, praise God. Come on, I'm not making an excuse for sin. I'm just telling you right now, you've got an advocate in heaven. You've got a defense attorney that never rests, praise God. You've got someone who is making intercession for you even right now in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, if people are lost, it's because they want to be lost. I'm telling you, God. The, the Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. He's already here. He's in this world, praise God, seeking people in the name of Jesus, praise God. Satan will say, you know, God doesn't like you or God's angry with you. And, and the advocate, the defense attorney will tell you, I've forgiven you. I'm forgiven, praise God. Praise God. He was condemned. Amen. God is our advocate. That's what we need to get back to, praise God. Amen. We need to get back to the simple idea that God knew what was going on in this world, and he provided, praise God, everything that you and I needed, praise God. And this morning, you have an advocate, you have a defense that never rests in Jesus' name. I'm here to tell you, praise God, when Satan comes into your life and says you're still guilty, the Almighty will come into your life and say, I don't remember that. I don't remember that happening. Praise God. Isn't it great to have a great defense attorney? Come on, why don't you lift your hands one more time? And why don't you thank God for the advocate? Thank God for the defense that never rests, praise God. Come on, I'm telling you right now, you and I have a defense attorney that's greater than anything in this world, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, just let that marinate for about 30 seconds. Come on, let that one break through. Let that one get a hold of the rust that's around you right now. Let that get a hold of the ice that has formed maybe in your soul and your spirit. And let that begin to melt it in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on, begin to open up your mouth and say, you are my king. You are my God. I don't have any other. You are the only one, praise God. I'm telling you right now, it can do one. It will do wonders. It will always do wonders because our defense never, ever rests in the name of Jesus. We have an advocate. His name is Jesus. He, he went into this life and did what you and I could never do, but he did it, praise God. Why? Because of his great love for us in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody ought to be shouting. Somebody ought to be praising. Somebody ought to be just giving it to Jesus because you and I can't take any credit for this oh hallelujah hallelujah I come against beaten down Christians I come against that mentality I command it to leave in the name of Jesus I come against depression I come against all of those those things that he will do and fiery darts praise God I come against that in Jesus name let your rest let your peace come into this place in the name of Jesus oh hallelujah let somebody experience this in the name of Jesus I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name. What do you say we clap our hands to him?
Jesus' name. Praise God. 15th chapter of the book of Luke is a, is a good chapter to become familiar with, just like the rest of the Bible. But in the 15th chapter of the book of Luke, it really emphasizes lost things, things that are lost and need to be found and that type of thing. And my goodness, if that isn't the epitome of mankind, that's where we're at. Praise God. Amen. One of the things that occurred to me after I'd been in this church for a while is uh, through ponderings and prayer and that type of thing, God began to show me, I believe it was the Lord, at times in my life, way before I came to the Lord, that God was active in my life. Amen. And I didn't, you know, you, you think about, is that coincidence? Is that just one of those intuitions and all of that kind of business? And you begin to find out that God was active in your life. Amen. He was there, praise God, all the time. Amen. It's just that sometimes we don't realize it, and God every day can awaken us and help us to realize that he is. He is our defense attorney. He is our advocate. Turn it over to him, folks. Turn it over to him. In fact, one of the most powerful angels that we know of, and I don't know, I'm sure there are other ones up there that are more powerful or as powerful, but Bible doesn't give us all the details, but one it does is, and that's Michael. Michael's the warrior angel. He was the one that met uh, Joshua when he was coming into the promised land there and he said take your shoes off you're on holy ground you know and so Michael's a powerful angel praise God but the Bible says when when there was a time when Moses was to be buried and 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 God did this his own way and, and nobody was supposed to know that there was a little dispute that happened about the bones of Moses and Michael the archangel praise God who is a powerful angel a whole lot more powerful than you and I he didn't toy with the devil he didn't even arm wrestle him. He didn't even say, let's you and I get in a ring and see how this works. No. Michael, the archangel, just said, the Lord rebuke you. Now listen to me. As a defense attorney, let him do that. Let God begin to do that. You know, there's a lot of things that we want to step into and we want to take on that God says, let me do that. I'm the one that's doing that. You witness for me. You keep praising me. You keep lifting me up like he used to do when he was in heaven. You just keep doing that. You just keep thanking me for forgiveness. You just keep letting people know that God is good. Come on, somebody in this room right now needs to get back to where you used to be. Come on, I'm telling you right now, you and I, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The Bible says if we're going to overcome those things, we need to become strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, praise God. I'm here to tell you, folks, the devil, he can be rebuked, and I'm going to let my defense attorney do that in the name of Jesus and, and realize that that's exactly what he's doing praise God and so you and I must understand that God is in this world praise God and the 15th chapter of the book of Luke depicts this Jesus told him or he referred to a lot of stories to try to get his point across and and my goodness you talk about great teaching it really was and in this 15th chapter of the book of Luke he really does he tells some good stories the scripture says in 15 1 Luke 15 I'm going to refer to this probably this chapter for the rest of this session right now so you can kind of meet me there but the Bible says then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him notice who's coming to Jesus amen and the scripture says and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured saying this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them duh thanks for stating the obvious now listen to me, folks. God will never, ever make excuses for my sin. He's not doing that. He's just saying, listen, 
If you want my help, you've got it. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jesus, the personification of God in the flesh, amen, was doing the same thing back then. And so Jesus, again, you've got to catch this. Instead of going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, he elected to say, well, let me tell a story that will help everybody here if they really want it. And that's how the Word of God really works, folks. God isn't interested in arguing His points. And that's another thing that we do sometimes. We just want to get into the arena and duke it out. And God just says, just tell my story. Just tell folks what God is doing for you. I never forget God demonstrated this to me when I was only about a week old with the Holy Ghost. And I was in a Bible study and there were people there that didn't like the fact that God was still pouring out His Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I happened to be the one in the middle. And then they came after me. And I mean to tell you folks, I, 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 at first I was overwhelmed. But knowing nothing, nor knowing very little of God, God began to deal with me. And he just said, tell them what I have done. And that's what I did. And after they ran in and raved and told me that this stuff doesn't happen, I said, well, I said, you can choose to believe how you want to. But I said, as for me, I know what the Lord did for me. Praise God. And I don't understand it. I can't explain it. You know, I'm no scholar, but I do know what the Lord has done for me. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you right now, no amount of naysaying and you telling me it didn't happen is going to take that away from me. Come on, somebody here today needs to grasp a hold of that little principle right there. That no matter what anybody's saying to you, no matter what your, the accuser is saying to you, you just say, my God is for me, praise God. Who can be against me in the name of Jesus? Come on, folks, we're not perfect. We're not advocating that we're never sinning. But I'm telling you something, we got a defense that never rests in the name of Jesus. God is on our side in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to just receive that. You need to just open up and let God minister to your heart right now. It's not based upon your reputation. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what he brings to it in Jesus' name. That's why Jesus chose to do stories to demonstrate what's going on. And this is what the 15th chapter, a lot of the 15th chapter of the book of Luke is about. He talks about sheep. He talks about a guy who had a hundred of them. And the scripture says, if he loses one of them, he doth not, doesn't he leave the 99 in verse number 4 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? So you must understand that every person, in my opinion, in this world is going to be found by God. You're not going to keep him away. Because the Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What that means is God's commitment is to everybody. And so God will find everybody. Now, whether or not you choose to reach a hold of that or get a hold of that and start following him, that's up to you. That is your free will. And you can do that as you want. That used to bother me. That used to get me irritated until God rebuked me and said, listen, I might have with my help given you authority over the devil, but you have no authority over human flesh other than your own. And so we must be very careful. God finds people. He will find people. And I believe at the white throne judgment, this is not some indictment. This is how it's going to work. At the white throne judgment where there will be no F. Lee Baileys. Amen. God, I believe, is going to show everybody how many times he was knocking on your door. How many times he was there and he was speaking to that, that still small voice. 
I believe those things are going to be known, praise God. That's why I'm telling you, the only defense we got is his. We have no defense on ourselves. And so Jesus began to relate stories, and stories that they could realize. I mean, I don't think everybody in the crowd was a shepherd, but they probably knew one. They understood what he was talking about. They understood that a shepherd, somebody who's in, in, in charge of a flock, that's what he does. Praise God. And so think about that. He told these stories, praise God. And the Bible says that one of the things that needs to be, be on a regular basis in the kingdom of God, and I want somebody to really, really think about this. The Bible says in verse number 5, and when he had found it, he laid on his shoulder rejoicing. And the scripture says, and when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me. See, that's a big part of the kingdom of God is that we don't just rejoice by ourselves. We want to let it be known. Amen. And that's why I'm telling you, one of the functions of a service like this, when we meet together, should be rejoicing. Should be the fact that, hey, God has done some great things this week for me. And let his, let his things be known. The scripture says in the New Testament that the communication of our faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of the good things in us in Christ Jesus. That's in Philemon. That you and I, if we'll acknowledge what God is doing, our faith will become more effectual. It'll become more effective. And I don't know about you, but that's been one of my processes happening. I want my faith to be more effectual. Well, listen, you might get off you know, by, by rebuking the devil, but I'm going to tell you something. When I begin to rejoice in what Christ has done, Amen. That builds up my faith in Jesus' name. And I believe we got an American church that might be a little bit into an area that they don't belong. Amen. And I'm not being critical, folks. I'm just telling you, the Lord knows how to take care of the devil. Come on. I got a defense attorney, praise God, that I don't have to worry about whether or not he graduated from college or not. I got somebody who knows exactly what he's talking about. And so I'm going to begin, and I'm going to keep on turning these things over to him. Come on, somebody want to cast a burden to the Lord this morning? You want to do that? You want to get rid of that worry that's in your heart right now? You want to get rid of that anxiety that says, well, what are we going to do about this? Well, just go to the defense attorney and say, he's got it in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, somebody here, you can begin to rejoice. You can begin to rejoice in the Lord. Oh, come on. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Who? Let's rejoice in the Lord. Come on. Oh, celebrate in the presence of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Celebrate in the presence of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice. made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in, oh, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, rejoice. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. And so Jesus, that's how he did it. He just said, well, you know, I could pay attention to these guys that are naysayers and they're just trying to trip me up. But instead, Jesus focused on stories. He said, let me tell you something, how the kingdom of God works. And it's like God looking for, for the lost. I don't know about you, but that brings hope into everybody's picture. When everybody in the world can understand God's looking for you. Amen. And by the way, he already knows where you're at. He already knows what it is in your life in Jesus' name. And then Jesus said, you know, in verse number 7, I'm still in uh, Luke 15, he says, And I say unto you that likewise joy, amen, the Bible says, joy, it says, shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. So listen to me, folks. You don't need a house full of people, although it might help. Just one. I'm telling you, God knows what it takes. Then he talks about a woman having ten pieces of silver. I've heard a lot of different ramifications about this story. But the bottom line is, she lost one. And the Bible says she turned the place upside down because she wanted to find it. Praise God. And the Bible says, amen. And when she hath found it, in verse number 9, she called her friends, her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. Are you starting to get a little bit of the picture of heaven? Come on, I'm telling you something. There's a lot of praise and worship and rejoicing that can heal. It can heal. Paul, when he was put on a ship, not on his own doing, he already warned him. He said, Listen, you guys need to stay in this harbor. But, you know, the guy who was in charge of the ship and, and the guy who was driving the ship, you know, they had money worries. And so they were trying to get one more little trip in before that winter came, you know. And so they found themselves out in the middle of the sea, you know, and man, Eroclodon. That's what it told, that's what it says. It's a storm that happens in the Mediterranean Sea. And boy, believe me, it was rocking and rolling. And the Bible says it got so bad that for 14 days they never saw the sun. That's pretty desperate. But God, he knew where Paul was. And the Bible says there was an angel that appeared to him and says, be of good cheer. You're going to be okay. And so the Bible says that God, through Paul, ministered to that entire ship. He said, the only marching order I've got right now is stay in the ship. Stay in the ship. And sometimes that's the best we can do some days. Just stay in the church. Just stay living for God. Just stay living, reading your Bible. Praying, whatever the case is, you're not going to solve anything. He's the one that's going to solve it. And by the way, unless, unless you haven't figured this out yet, God has a different time than we have, doesn't he? Amen. And he's not messing with us. He's not playing with us. He just says, I know a little more than you do. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just stay in the ship. 
Amen. That's why I prayed this morning for backsliders. And if you're listening to me today over the internet, praise God, you need to get back to church. You need to come and rejoice with us. You need to get rid of that guilt. You need to get rid of that thing that Satan is accusing you of. And you need to come back to the house of God. And you need to come in here. And you need to begin to sing the songs of Zion. You need to begin to praise the Almighty God. You need to realize that your defense never rests. Can somebody say amen? Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth right now, praise God. God wants to bring that to pass in everybody's life in Jesus' name. And so Paul, here he is, and the ship, isn't it, isn't it unique how God just waited until they got right to just about to the shore, and then the ship splinters. And he says, well, I'm going to make all of these life rafts for everybody. And you know what the Bible says? Not one of them perished. Not one of them. That's how great our God is. I don't care how big of a storm is in people's life. If they will just stay in the ship. If they will just let God, their defense attorney, do, the, do what, he need, what he can do best. And so the Bible says when they got to the shore, here they are. They got saved from probably one of the greatest storms they all went through. But when they're building a fire, and boy, whenever you're building a fire, praise God, you're going to attract some things. And the scripture says when Paul was just trying to help with the fire, this snake comes out. I believe that's a representative of Satan. Amen. He's always trying to spoil the party, folks. He's always trying to rain on your parade. He's already trying to, you know, to burst your bubble in Jesus' name. But how many here got a little bit of grit in this service? And you're not going to let him do that anymore in the name of Jesus. Come on, you can, you can make up your mind, praise God. I'm not going to let his thoughts become my thoughts. I'm going to let God's thoughts become my thoughts. And I'm going to tell you something. Those are the things that are going to help you to, 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 to begin to do things. Come on, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me come on there's nothing impossible to God these are things that you can begin to speak but that that snake latched itself to Paul praise God but you know what Paul did don't you come on the fire was already built he shook it off in the fire and that's why I believe in dancing. That's why I believe in saying, this is the day the Lord hath made. I don't do it all the time, but there's times when you need to just shake yourself. I got a feeling there's about two or three of you in here. I'm not going to tell you you better do it or else, but there's some people in here, you just need to shake yourself. You need to just say, come on, I'm getting tired of that liar. I'm getting tired of the accuser, and I'm going to start doing something about it in the name of Jesus. The very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my defense attorney. I'm going to go to the one that's always in interceding for me. I'm going to go to the one that knows exactly how to take care of things. I'm going to go to Jesus, praise God, the author and the finisher of your faith. Come on. I'm telling you right now, God has got a, he's got an order for you in the name of Jesus. And that's what you and I, we can, we can understand that. And so Jesus is telling me stories. And you can imagine those, those, those um, Pharisees. Oh, Man, I mean, they're going, what's he doing? We want to make him look bad. And all he's doing is, well, that kind of sounds like comfort that he's bringing to these people. And that's why Jesus wasn't fighting the Pharisees. He was trying to help them to understand that he was, came for them too. See, this is what we, we make a wrong move when we take something that comes against us, especially if it's a person. 
and we turn against that person. You're not doing what God wants you to do. The Bible says what you can do, even in a time like that, you can rejoice. Oh, you don't think I got Bible for that. Well, let me give it to you. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 5. Somebody needs to hear this right now. Maybe it's me. Ah, but look at Matthew chapter number 5, that famous chapter that works on our attitude. Remember that one? I don't know about you, but my attitude isn't sanctified yet. It still needs to be worked on. And Jesus goes down the list. He said, blessed are you when this happens. Blessed are you when this happens. And finally, he gets down to, he says in verse number 11, 5 and 11. You read the rest of it. It's all good. It says, blessed are ye when men, people. Now, the devil's another matter. You go to your defense attorney. He'll take care of him. But people. Somebody told me one time, you know, I'd be a pastor if it wasn't for people. I said, well, yeah, that's kind of a problem, isn't it? Yeah. I said, people are people. And you know what the problem is? You look in the mirror and I look in the mirror and we're a people. We got the same disease. Amen. So the Bible says, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for for my sake. What does he tell us to do in verse 12? Come on, I'm telling you. That's why you can come and you can rejoice sitting at home and moping and pouting and sucking your thumb. That's not going to do anything. But if you'll come and you'll say, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to give the Lord glory. I'm going to say, praise you, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Why don't we do a little celebrating? Well, celebrate in the presence of the Lord, for He is worthy to be praised. Celebrate in the presence of the Lord, for He is worthy to to be prayed. Rejoice. Come on. The Lord. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. One more time. Let's celebrate in the presence of the Lord. For he is worthy. Yes. Celebrate in the presence of the Lord. For he is worthy. Oh, we just about got everybody up now. Look at this. It's catchy. It's catchy. When you rejoice, you don't have to confront people. You just say, hey, I'm going to let it happen in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. Well, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Look at somebody and say, rejoice. Rejoice. Amen. 
You know, listen to me, folks. You can be seated. This works when you want to be renewed in the spirit, too. It does. Listen to me, folks. I haven't been able to figure it all out, but there is a close association between joy and faith. I don't know if you realize this or not, but in the fifth, or the, yeah, the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians, they're both the fruit of the Spirit. So why shouldn't they be closely related? That's what I'm talking about. And like Jesus, if you want to come in here and you want to give your best invitation of a man again, that's your business. And I'm not going to sit here and try to concentrate on you anymore. But listen. Come on, he's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. Amen. There needs to be joy in our lives. And joy is different than happiness. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. Joy is dependent upon who you know. And we know him. He's the one that's making intercession for us 24-7. He's the one where the defense never rests. He's the one that's better than F. Lee Bailey. He's the one that's great in the name of Jesus. So listen to me, folks. Just like Paul and Silas found out after getting their backs laid wide open in a prison, that you can praise God no matter what happens to you. Now, come on, folks. I'm not going to make you do this. But I am going to tell you, you're losing another tremendous opportunity to let God win in your life. Amen. That's what we have to have in Jesus' name. And so Jesus, praise God, he said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. Realize you didn't have a corner in this market. That God was persecuted when he was in the flesh. People like you who, try, who are living for God are going to be persecuted. People are going to say things. But you and I, we, we can begin to counter it, praise God, by rejoicing and realizing that this is the will of God. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to be able to love people a whole lot better by doing it this way than by staying mad for a month, by threatening them, by never talking to them again, by insisting they better apologize before I'll say a word. You make a big mistake. You play right into the devil's hands. No wonder his accusations have so much traction in your life. And I'm not accusing, but it's very, very easy for me to understand why the devil can take advantage of people. It's because they're doing it his way. Now listen, it's time today that we start turning this thing around. And we realize that God wants to put power in our lives. He wants to help us, praise God, to recognize what he's doing where he's doing it, how he's doing it, praise God. And realize, praise God, he's the one that is making intercession for us 24-7. That's what he's doing. And that's why rejoicing in the Lord is a big part, a big part of making it through this life. Realizing, praise God, that people just like you have gone through tough times. Amen. My wife looked at me this morning and she says, you know, if you would find joy in snow. <laughs> See, I'm working on things too. Snow, October, don't compute with me. But it has to. See, we have to realize. And my goodness, if, if a, a little thing like snow is going to derail you, 
Please put that in perspective. That's kind of like the same thing of driving my Mini for the last time. Come on. It's just a car. For five and a half years, it's been a great car. Still is. Hopefully somebody will buy it and they can drive it. And I'll have a tear come in my eye every time. I just sell it to somebody in another state. Yeah. But the bottom line is, folks, come on. We don't have it that bad. We have it good. And that's what God wants us to begin to, to start conjuring up every day. That doesn't mean false hope. That just means that, my goodness, well, well a lot of folks are not realizing it yet, you can realize what the Lord has done for you in Jesus' name. He is a, he is a powerful, fantastic God in Jesus' name. He has been so good to us. I mean to tell you folks, he has been so good to us. And so follow the reasoning of Jesus. When Jesus was confronted with people who wanted to persecute him, and he was, he didn't lash out at them. The only one time that I see Jesus getting ticked off, and that's in, of course, in Matthew here, and I think in another one of the Gospels, when he walked into the house of God, and here they had turned it into a, um, you know, a, a flea market, literally. And boy, did he get upset. I mean, he overturned the tables. And a lot of times we want to use that one event as a reasoning for us to get mad at people who don't want to live for God. And that's not what that was. The Bible says the zeal of his house hath eaten me up. That's what happened to Jesus. And every once in a while, God will show I mean, he does that. I'm glad he doesn't do it every day. But there are times when God will show up, and I mean, there's a force. But that doesn't mean that we should label every bad thing that happens in life as God's judgment upon people. That's not what that means. It just means that God sometimes is going to get a point across. And the point is, is this is a house of prayer. This is a place. That's why if you want to get a hold of your defense attorney this morning, you're not going to go down to the interstate um, bank building and go up to whatever floor that is and go into that nice plush office. That's not where you're going to get a hold of your defense attorney. I'll tell you where you're going to get a hold of your defense attorney is what he is doing, interceding, praying. If you really want to get a hold of your defense attorney, start praying. That's where he's at. And I'm not saying that you have to exhaust yourself for hours and weeks. I'm just saying, but that's where he's at. And so you and I, we can join him in that. And God can bring some things into our life like never before in Jesus' name. He's a powerful God, folks. He's not going to level the playing field for you. There are going to be hills and mountains and there's going to be valleys. That is the kind of thing that you and I encounter in life. But he did not leave us without example after example after example, praise God. People who, in the face of all kinds of adversity, praise God. Let me read something to you, and I, I, I'm going to, the other part of this message, you'll have to wait until tonight. But I want you to see something. Look at Philippians chapter number 3. And of course, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul is a, a tremendous example of, of persevering. 
And you must understand, persevering is part of the seven traits, one of the seven traits that you have to develop if you're going to make it until the end. I know I'm slowing down, way down here. We've had a little bit of emotion here. We've had a little bit of celebration. Hopefully God's points got across. Now whatever you do with them is up to you. You can just leave them lay on that chair, you know, and you can go home and say, I'm just going to live life the way it was. And that's up to you. And I will not think any less of you. Now that is God, not me. God has helped me to be able to do that. And I don't do that because I, I don't care for you. I just recognize, and I'll talk to somebody here on the screen, if you don't want to come to church, that's your business. But I'm coming. And I'm going to make, and this is going to work. And that's not me making, making fun of you and that type of thing. I've just recognized, God, don't give me jurisdiction over you. And I'm going to turn the coin around. You have no authority over me. No way. And that's how I live my life on the most part. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul, he had to realize these things. He had to realize that there's going to be times when things were going to happen. Let's talk about a list here. I talked to you about my little mini Cooper dilemma. Let's talk about Paul's. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse number Number, um, number five, Paul's giving his little resume here. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day, three and five. I'm sorry, Sister Garnett, three and five, Philippians. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. You know what Paul's really saying in verse five? I tried religion. That's what he was doing before he came to God. And he was pretty good at it. That's what he's pointing out. I obeyed the law. I got circumcised. I even made it to, to rabbi school, man, and I became Pharisee. I mean, that's pretty good when it comes to religion. Well, let's watch how his attitude changes now towards religion. And this is what God wants to help somebody here with. This is not a religion. This is relationship. And so the Bible says in verse number 6, concerning zeal, you want to talk about somebody who gets excited about religion? He says, persecuting the church. He says, touching righteousness, which is of the law. Man, I did everything by the book. But the Bible says that wasn't enough. Because he says in verse 7, those things used to be the most important things in my life. But now they're not. Wow, you talk about a radical change. He says, the things that were gained to me, I'm not afraid to lose them now. And then he says in verse number eight, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. My Lord. See, he would sing that song with us this morning. For whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? Whoa. Listen to me, folks. I haven't been there yet. I've suffered some loss, but my goodness, not to that magnitude. And so you must understand, this man is telling you about, man, you want to raise the bar, I can do that. And so the Bible says, I count them but dung that I may win. Or the word really means to gain Christ. That's really what he wanted. Everything in Paul's life begin to, begin to circle around, I want to know him. 
And listen to me, folks, that's Christianity in a nutshell. If you think about the word Christian, it means to be a worshiper and a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. So you and I must expect the way they treated Jesus. They're going to treat us. We can also expect that the devil comes and tries to tempt him, but Jesus found some pretty good effect with his word, didn't he? And we can expect the same thing. See, the Bible is a pull-off-the-cover type of book. And sometimes what, what brings our frustration to life is our perspective of it. That somehow in this American culture, we expect Christianity to take away all of our problems. We expect Christianity to level the playing field and that nothing bad will ever happen to us and that God is just going to keep blessing, 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 blessing. That's where we've gone. And no wonder we're so disappointed because we're still in the real world. We've got to learn how to overcome these things, rise up above these things. And Paul is giving us the key here. Don't count them as as important as knowing God. Then you're going to be okay. Then you're going to be able to look at something that is, used to be terrible to you, and you're going to say, ooh, that's God trying to improve me. That's God trying to help me to have real victory. That's God helping me to try to let go of something that's really got a hold of my life. Listen, I could put names on those things right now, but I'm going to believe by the power of God's Spirit that you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, folks, it comes down to this one thing. Amen. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? then let's get that stupid fishing out of your brain. And every time you make a mistake, you run and hide, and you want to quit. Oh, he didn't treat him like that, but I'm saying it. He's, Do you love me? Well, then go on feeding my sheep. Go on feeding my lambs. What's he saying? Go on doing what I already showed you you should do, regardless. And that's what Paul found out. Because the Bible says in verse number 9, and being found in him, not having mine own righteousness. It says, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus. Listen to me, folks. Righteousness from God is just as big of a gift as the Holy Ghost. We get righteousness because God gives it to us. We are righteous like Abraham was because he had faith in God. Not because he messed up, not because he screwed up all the, you know, a lot of times. No, God reckoned it unto him because he had faith in him. Now you're righteous, Abraham. And believe me, folks, that one didn't get dissolved with the New Testament. That one is still the same. Some of you are bent on trying to establish your own righteousness. And no wonder you're frustrated. No wonder you have a hard time rejoicing. And this is not Carnahan picking on you. This is God unveiling to you. Why don't you receive my gift of righteousness and start rejoicing in me. Start telling people about how good I am. 
Start telling everybody about what I have done for you instead of how good and how far from Egypt you've come. Come on, folks. That's not what God wants us to gloat on. He wants us to go into the promised land and start realizing you didn't build any of this. You didn't plant any of this. I just brought you into the promised land so you could have it. Wow. That puts a different perspective on Christianity, doesn't it? But boy, our culture has all of this. Look at what I've done for God. My goodness, folks. No wonder we're here today and gone tomorrow. It's his righteousness is why I'm standing here today. It's because of what he's done. Oh, yes, he created me unto good works. So I'm not going to just quit and say I don't have to do anything. But whatever I do is out of gratitude. It's not out of proving to you how good of a Christian I am. I'm just saying, God, you've done so much, I can't do enough for you. Boy, that one takes a huge load off, folks. And that one will really, really, really dissolve the accuser. Because he knows where some of you are at. He knows that you're trying to live for God through your own righteousness. And no wonder he can pick you apart when you screw up. Not if, when you screw up. I'm telling you right now, folks, it's time to change that. Because we got a world to reach. And we're not going to reach it based on our own energies and our ways of doing things. We're going to reach it because we allow the Spirit. If you believe on me as the Spirit saith, out of your belly shall flow, flow, flow rivers of living water. People are going to sense it. They're going to see it. They're going to be attracted to it. And we can just get out of the way and say, it's God. He's the one. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying all of these, these plaques that I had in my office don't mean a thing to me anymore. Because all I'm trying to do is get a hold of him in Jesus' name. I don't know how far in South Dakota we went this morning. But boy, we have been there. And now we're coming back. And God wants to land this in your airport right now. And he wants somebody here to take, a, uh, take another look at what, what is this thing all about. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what we do. We rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to let you ponder that. Turn in this microphone off. I don't know either. <laughs> 